You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 400 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is a Sunday afternoon here in late May. I will go ahead and apologize for my audio quality. If there are any issues, I am traveling, and my normal co-host is traveling even more so. Scott, as we I talked about last week, is going to be out for two or three weeks on account of international travel. But on this special round number occasion of the podcast, I am bringing in the big guns, former co-host of this program, the person who's been on the show the most by far, other than myself and Scott, Eric Cole is back. Eric, hello. How are you, my friend? Bradford, I have missed you. I have missed podcasting in general. I actually haven't podcasted since I left Battery Power, uh, which has been a nice break in some ways, but also I've missed talking to you and Scott and everyone else. So it's nice to be able to do the show. If by chance you are a new listener in the last, I don't know, six months or so, you may not know Eric. Eric was the minor league editor and all things person over at Battery Power. And now you can correct me, but runs a website of his own. And also, uh, you know, I guess it's not podcasting, but has been on the show many, many, many times uh, alongside me, alongside Scott, alongside others. And uh, we miss Eric deeply. I I feel like the statute of limitations was uh, was long enough now where I could bring you back as a guest, a full on guest of this program. Thank you for doing this. I do appreciate well, it. I don't, I don't think there was a statute of limitations. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm, I, I was, like, talking to you, like, a few weeks ago, and I've been, you know, staying I saw, I saw you in person not, not long ago. It was good. Yep. We had a good time. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a good time. And, you know, like, I'll, I'll be on the show whenever you need me as long as I'm available. But, yeah, uh, I moved over to Fanside. It used to be Tomahawk Take. Now it's the house that Hank built. Uh, I am running the site. And, you know, it's it's definitely a, a different sort of thing, you know, running the whole, the whole site other than, you know, and not having kind of Chris you know, what doing what he does for battery power. So it's been a bit of a learning curve, but I've had a great time doing it, but, you know, also kind of understanding, you know, that I, I still love all of you guys. So it's been kind of, you know, a, a very nice sort of like, you know, no en- enmity. I'm sure that some folks were wondering, you know, like if there was any sort of weirdness about it and there wasn't at all. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy to be back. Happy to talk some baseball with you. Uh, but yeah, I am over at the house that Hank built now and uh, it's been a good time. There you go. All of the uh, introductions are out of the way, and it is time, as you just said, to talk about some baseball. It was a better week for the Braves, all things considered. Uh, that's obviously positive because at the end of last week, Scott and I talked about this a lot, but they had lost four games in a row, and the vibes were not very good. And they had matched their longest losing streak of the season, and their longest losing streak in a long time, actually. But uh, spoiler alert, as we'll get into kind of the, the, the game action now, they went four and two this week. Kind of go through the results as we always do, and then I'll, I'll pick Eric's brain later on the podcast about the minor league side, where he is a legitimate expert, and uh, all the other stuff that's going on around the team. But let's start with the Texas series, which happened a few days ago now, but still relevant. Um, 
they snapped the losing streak with a uh, pretty emphatic win on Monday, 12-0. I know my friend Sean Coleman, who hosts the Daily Hammer on the same podcast feed, which, by the way, is all available for $0. Um, talked about that as being almost the most impressive, most dominant win of the season. It's hard to argue otherwise when it's 12-0 and you kind of just cruise control. They hit five home runs on Monday. And uh, I don't know about you, Eric, but it felt like kind of a uh, kind of a release valve after the four straight losses because they really just kind of unloaded on the Rangers. Yeah, that was a really tough series against the Blue Jays. You know, they don't ever play, they don't seem to play the Blue Jays particularly well anyway. And you combine that with just, you know, like the way in which they lost a couple of those games was pretty frustrating. And you could tell they kind of took those frustrations out on both sides of the ball. And the offense was great, don't get me wrong, but we kind of expect that the Braves are going to, you know, have those games where just, you know, the offense goes wild. What was probably the most impressive thing was Charlie Morton. You know, it wasn't, you know, going into the seventh inning, struck out a bunch of guys. The biggest thing was just like, the feedback he was getting from the hitters, like a lot of times with like, especially with his breaking ball, you know, they would they'd have a ton of movement on it, but they just wouldn't bite. They wouldn't swing at it. And he was getting a lot of swings and misses over the course of the game. And that just felt like he was going to be in a good spot because if he could get ahead and counts and he could start setting guys up, he was, you know, he was just dismissing those poor Rangers hitters left and right. And that was a good, that was probably the best sign, especially for a Braves team that really needs him to be very good over the next couple of months, because if the, when they're out both, Max and Wright that you know you can't have Charlie Morton be the 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 aging version where he doesn't look like he can go five innings you you need him to be good and it looked like at least for on Monday that he was on track to do that yeah it's a good point I mean Morton was very good in that game and got um, a ton of swings and misses 10 strikeouts Um, the fact that you know his ERA is 2.85 now for the season that is obviously quite good his peripherals are not as good as that which we talked about a little bit last week I think on the podcast but he looked more like the guy he's supposed to look like or that you hope you look like on Monday which is a positive sign it's only one start but um, you know as far as the first eight starts of the season are concerned for Charlie Morton you can't ask for much more than that but there is a little bit of extra pressure on I think in particular Morton, Strider, and even Elder at this point to kind of hold up because of all the other issues in the rotation. Uh, speaking of that, Jared Schuster got two starts this week, the first of which was on Tuesday. He was not as good Tuesday as he was uh, earlier today, as we course on Sunday, but he kind of did his job, gave him a chance, I think, on Tuesday. Dylan Lee had a bad outing on Tuesday that actually prompted him to be uh, um, out of the mix for a while. I'm not sure if that was when he got hurt or when he sort of dinged up at this point in time, but he, he got dinged up on Tuesday. They hit some home runs. Uh, Ronald Acuna, who we'll come back to later on, and Sean Murphy. I thought it was also ironic that uh, old pal Will Smith got the save for Texas against Atlanta on Tuesday. You're, you you're, you're king. You're, you're yes. king. Will Smith got it done. My guy, Will Smith. Uh, that was funny. I think it would have been uh, almost funnier had they come back on Will Smith and uh, and won the game. But uh, I guess my for the irony perspective, you couldn't lose there. But uh, we'll come back to Schuster. But I mean, Dylan Lee, I, I guess is worth talking about now. He actually got um, put on the IL with shoulder inflammation when they brought back Lucas Lukey. Um, did you see anything with Lee that's concerning? I mean, obviously, they're, they're saying shoulder inflammation. That, that's never good, but it's kind of hard to tell if that was you know, injury only, just kind of a, a rough outing. Uh, it's just worth noting that he is not, not going to be gone for a couple of weeks. Nothing stood out to me except for the fact it just felt like, you know, Lee's not one of those guys that lives over the plate. You know what I mean? He yeah. kind of like he 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 works the 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 corners and in least in that particular game, it just felt like he wasn't able to like if he was trying to work inside or outside, he was just instead just kind of leaving the ball over the plate. Just didn't have much life to his pitches. I'm I'm not gonna it after that it just becomes pure conjecture as to whether or not he was like the injury was the cause or he was just having an off night. Right. Um, but I mean, that, that Rangers team's good. So if you leave balls over the plate, you're that's what, that's what's going to happen to you. So, um, and I know I liked what I saw from Schuster mostly, you know, like I feel like he's like on the whole, that's kind of the guy he's going to be, 
you know, just, you know, he'll give up a few runs here and there because the stuff isn't always awesome. Uh, I mean, today he looked great, but, you know, generally speaking, he's going to be kind of that five, six inning guy. He'll give up a few runs, but he's hopefully not going to just, you're not going to be out of it. But in like, in Lee's case and in the bullpen's case, they've had some rough games here and there, but I don't, again, in Lee's case, we just don't know enough about how bad that shoulder inflammation is. Sometimes it's literally just, you know, like he just overdid it too much and was pressing too much and just, you know, he needs a little bit of time off, but sometimes it's indicative of something worse. And that's always, uh, always shoulder injuries are the thing that spooked me the most. And you and I have talked about that before. It's just, you know, whether it's an an elbow, a lot of times if you rest it, it's fine with shoulder injuries. That almost never comes back as like a short-term thing. Um, hopefully that's the case. And he was just, again, he just pressed things a little bit and had a little bit of an issue, but a lot of times it can be like a, something that kind of derails a season in a lot of cases, or at very least they, they don't, it, even if they come back relatively quickly, they don't look quite the same because something's not right and they need kind of like lengthy time to rest. So hopefully that's not the case because I mean, aside from this season, Dylan Lee's been a really good reliever. And of course the, his start in the world series, which we don't <laughs> talk about, um, you know, it's uh he, he's been very good for the Braves and, they they need a, guy, a lefty like him because in with Lutke he's kind of a junk baller lefty whereas you need a guy who you can play you know run out there against a top lefty especially with AJ Minter's from Kate struggling. Yeah, it makes sense. I should probably note that because it was a uh, part of the transaction wave that happened this week. Uh, we should at least come back to uh, talking about how they won the series, you know, by a, a close fought win on Wednesday. They actually trailed. Um, for a large portion of that particular game, uh, Ozzy and Riley came, uh, sort of led the the charge back to tie it. And then uh, Orlando Garcia, a.k.a. Alex Rodriguez, homered in the ninth inning yep, <laughs> to take yep, the lead. Yep. Uh, you know, what do you even say about about Garcia? He's been uh, he's been incredible. Uh, I know I look very stupid for doubting him. He's been very, very good so far. Um, I was skeptical. I guess I probably still am a little bit. But listen, he's been awesome. So uh, what, do you, what else are you going to say about that? Uh, I guess the only point of negativity if you want to even find something on Wednesday was the fact that Strider was not very good that's a little bit weird because he's just always awesome so uh, I'm not worried at all but uh, we they won a game in which Strider was not great which I guess is probably pretty good yeah I mean that that Texas team is really good against fastballs in general so it's something that you know if you if if you're leaning on your fastball and you're not locating it quite right that's the team that can sit on them uh Odalis Garcia in particular gave uh Strider's some trouble, and Strider's one of those guys that kind of has to be able to blow things by guys. And that the one thing that Odalis Garcia does is sit on fastballs. So again, because I'm, I'm, if I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure both of those home runs came off the same bat, right? Like I'm pretty sure it was both Odalis. So this is one of those things where a guy has his number, and Strider's been so good. And if that's his worst start of the season, right? There, there, <laughs> that that is not a, that is not a problem, right? Um, but the bullpen hoped that held things down. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. continues to make the case as being the best player in baseball. Uh, I am personally invested in him kind of toning things down a little bit on one or two fronts. <laughs> uh, uh, ideally, uh, my hunch is that I'm, I need him to only hit 39 home runs. But overall, I mean, he's been he's just been awesome. It's every day. You know, he does something. He just makes things happen. So overall, it's it, again, it's. It seems like that we kind of we're almost getting to the point where we take it for granted that oh yeah and by the way Ronald Acuna Jr. did something. I mean his first inning stats are insane. I'm pretty sure that he's on track to like blow away the single season record for hits in the first inning. Uh, and when you combine that with how much power he has and speed he has, he just gets the game started and gets and really makes things move quickly for the Braves. And that's what this offense needs sometimes because sometimes the rest of the lineup can. Uh, get get figured out in some ways you know you seem like they kind of get in a lull against some starters they don't seem to have that sort of second and third lineup second and third time through the lineup magic 
that you'd think that they should have. But if they can jump on teams early, they become very, very difficult to beat because they get a lead, get a lead, and you know then they can kind of start working on those relievers later. Yeah, I mean, I I should have pulled the numbers about running the first inning because they are outrageous. It's like he's hitting five hundred or something. Like it's it's literally absolutely absurd. It, 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 I think it might be higher than that now because he singled the first inning today. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, and just for people that may not know what you're talking about with regard to his uh, in, your individual investment in his pursuit, uh, Ronnie. Uh, is on pace for almost 40 home runs, which is notable. He's on pace for about 39-ish home runs right now. He's 11 and on pace for 64 stolen bases. Erica, I'll let you explain the uh, the way. Is it, is it a wager? I'm not even sure how to explain. I'll let you. I'll just throw it to you as to why you are so invested in that particular round number about Ronald Cunha's home runs. So before Ronnie got hurt uh, a couple years ago, I he was on another crazy tear uh, to start that season. I made the bet with the internet that if he got a 40-40 season, I would get a tattoo commemorating it. Uh, I am a man of honor, and obviously him being hurt combined, and you know, as well as kind of how his comeback happened last year, I continued to make that wager that if he gets a 40-40 season, I have to get a tattoo. Now, full disclosure, I do not want a tattoo. Uh, and uh, But I feel like it, I, I thought it was kind of a fun thing. I didn't think he was going to quite make such a strong run at both of those categories this early in the year. Uh, hopefully these numbers hold out and he ends up with 39 home runs and 64 steals. I'd be perfectly fine with that. And if he only gets 39, I promise you, I will not get that tattoo. It's not going to happen. <laughs> but if, but if, uh, if he gets 44 year better, I will get some sort of tattoo. Uh, I would have to kind of figure out what that would be based on how he finishes and all that. Uh, and I will tell you all now that if you want that tattoo to be a detailed sort of thing, then you need to go ahead and get a GoFundMe started because if you, I'm not spending, you know, a grand on a tattoo for a bet that I made with the internet, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, at the same time, you know, I, it's something that it's definitely a, a bet I'll honor. And a lot of people have been having fun with it online. So that's that's kind of the overall goal. I let you uh, only you could make a bet with the entire Internet, not, not even one person, just a, just a one sided wager where you win nothing. If you don't, if you actually win the bet and if you lose, you have to uh, defile your body. So there there you go, Eric. Congratulations. If, if on that. If, look, if you're going to bet on something, bet on a 40, 40 season, because there hasn't been that many of them. And if it does happen, then it does deserve a certain amount of of reference in that regard. I, I like, I still like my odds, but it's, I like them less than I did before the season started. Yeah. He might go 40, 60 and win MVP. So uh, who knows what's going to happen with regards to Ronald Acuna. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done doubting yeah. him. No, no one should doubt him at this point in time. And that includes you. I think you know that by now, but uh, 39 and 64 will be good for you. Like, like you said, all right, uh, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor on the podcast today. And then we'll come back talk about the Seattle series and uh, lots of transactions and weirdness. So hold on tight. Be right back. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. 
Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Eric, let us dive in to the Braves getting a series victory again, this time against the Mariners over the weekend. It was an interesting game in which if you didn't watch it, it would have felt like, you know, they won 6-2, kind of a breezy victory. But uh, they had some trouble in the middle of the game. I will point out the very, very nice play by Michael Harris to kind of have this nice catch and throw out a runner at home sequence in the sixth. And you kind of felt good at that point in time. But then Bryce Elder, who pitched very well, and I will be the first to say Bryce Elder has pitched much better than I thought he was going to. That includes this particular game. But I was annoyed in a way that I don't usually get annoyed in May by the way that he was handled in this game. I will stop here and ask you, did this bother you? Because there was a split on the internet. People that I think are smart disagree with me, which is fine. But I did not like the way that he was handled in the seventh inning. So it was not his fault, in my opinion, but uh, where do you stand on uh, whether he was handled correctly or just kind of bad luck or what? I think I would have understood it either way, but I understand completely where you're coming from. And here's the fundamental problem, is that because the Braves are having to, or were having to throw all these bullpen games, it feeds into one of Brian Snicker's worst impulses, and that is leave starters in the game too long, particularly to face the third time through the order. He did, that's just something that he already, that's something we have talked about a bunch that is like, why is he still in there? But he was. And the problem was, is that the next day they were having a bullpen game and that they wanted, if they could get the extra inning out of them, they were going to try to do it. And again, when it feeds, when, when you have a situation that also feel, feeds into your manager's worst impulses, that, that becomes problematic. Um, I will say that this Seattle lineup, especially how they're playing right now, isn't the spookiest, if that makes any sense. So again, I sort of understand why they did it. Uh, but he did get bailed out. Let's look, look, all, <laughs> all, all all of all of your objections, you know, bared fruit in the sense that he was not as good at the middle middle of the order through the third time, uh, which is pretty much what we expect to happen. And you know, again, you know, Michael Harris is is good at baseball, and you know, the the defense kind of helped him out a bunch. So I'm not you you want your team to actually be able to make those plays and make them for you, but at the same time, it 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 certainly felt like that. You're, they were pushing it, trying to do that. But I also understand that they knew that they're probably going to use five plus arms the next day. And in that situation, combined with the fact that they're in a stretch where they're going to be playing a whole bunch of games without days off coming up, I sort of understand it. At the same time, if they had pulled him, I would have been like, that's probably the smartest thing to do. But they're also they were also kind of in a situation they might have to make some decisions that are less than optimal based on the situation they're in. Yeah, and I, I want to be clear. It, it doesn't, you know, if it was me and, you know, context-free, I think that they should have pulled him after the sixth. I think he wasn't pitching by that point. You know, he got a little bit lucky in the sixth. Um, it did not inherently bother me that he started the seventh. I will say that. Um, you could be aggressive, you know, Tampa, Tampa Bay Ray style and pull him out, and I get all that, and that would, that would have been fine with me too. My issue is once he starts the seventh and gives up a leadoff double, it's probably time. And then he walks, and, yeah. and then he walks the guy, and he still stays in the game. That that's that's the one that really got me. Like put it over the edge was like, okay, you could say it was just one bad pitch against the, give up the double, whatever. Then he comes out after that and gives up a walk, and then he stays in. I'm like, what is what is going on right now? Um, 
so that was that's where it crossed the Rubicon for me is like something that I would uh, I kind of you know don't particularly dive into the weeds in terms of Twitter criticism in the middle of a game in May generally but that was like I was like kind of just baffled by that whole sequence um but look yeah the context is important like you said I think that um the way they've chosen to handle being down two starters and it looks like Schuster's going to be around in the rotation so they'll be down they'll be down one starter that's that's probably makes it a little bit easier but planning for a bullpen game which they obviously were doing I'm sure that played into it and was probably the reason why. And like you said, I think that it plays into Snit's potentially his worst impulses, but that's why it happened. And it's reasonable to say that my, my, my contention would be that even if you want to say, okay, we're playing into that. We're, we're trying to get as much as possible out of Bryce Elder. The thing that really does it for me is the fact, the fact that he faced the third batter in the seventh, like once it's double yeah, or walk, you. it's like, what, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Um, anyway, that's one game. And they won the game, so no one cares, and nor, nor should they. But uh, because this is a podcast that, as you all know, Eric, we, we like to get into the weeds every once in a while. That's one where I oh like yeah, oh yeah, we, we, had, we had to bring it up at least, if nothing else. Um, they did score two in the seventh inning, um, three singles and a walk, just kind of strung it together, um, old school style, and they they got some more insurance later on. Matt Olson had a great weekend. Um, that was good to see. Marcelo Zuna is still raking. Um, that's obviously very useful for this Braves team. So a nice win on the whole, even with a little bit of a hiccup in the middle. The only game that didn't go well was the, was the aforementioned bullpen game on Saturday. I'll stop here, actually, because um, we, ju- we just talked about the bullpen stuff and just the way that they've been kind of riding with that. Uh, I'm sure you saw this on Saturday um, on Twitter, especially. It kind of reached a fever pitch where people were like, I never want to see a bullpen game again kind of thing. <laughs> I saw a lot of that for people that are, you know, obviously they were just frustrated with the result. And the bullpen games have not gone well. They've lost, I believe, all of them so far this year. So I get that. Um, do you have the same strong feelings about sort of being anti anti bullpen game? Because obviously they have a couple of guys that could be starting in Dylan Dodd and uh, you're, you're also, also your son, Michael Soroka is another topic here. So I will throw it to you to like, where are you at with the bullpen games? And then if you don't want to see them anymore, what would you be doing instead? I don't think they're sustainable just the way that the, the bullpen is currently constructed. There's just too many guys that are fine in the bullpen right now that are playing. Okay but you don't need many of them to have off nights to get behind in a hurry. And when you combine that with just, I mean, there's just so little room for air. You're already having to put Schuster in your rotation and you just, he's, he's young and you just don't know. And then you have an older Charlie Morton and, you know, sometimes there's games where Strider ends up, you know, only being able to throw five innings because he just throws a lot of pitches and he's, he's going for strikeouts and all that stuff. When you have that combined with those kind of issues, I just don't think that it's a sustainable model for success to deal with a long-term problem, which is what the Braves had in their rotation. If you need to throw a bullpen game because, you know, something, you know, a guy gets, you know, falls down some stairs or something the night before the start, then you do what you have to do, right? But when, like, your your plan can't be to throw two bullpen games a week until July, I just don't think that that's going to work. You know, this time of the year, the, the guys aren't run down, but your bullpen will be shot. By the, even when those those arms come back, assuming that everyone does come back, that your your bullpen's not going to be in a very good place uh, from a rest perspective, and that means you're, you're kind of forced into making moves at the deadline for fresher arms, and that's not that's not that's not a great place to be. I mean, and look, Michael Tonkin's been great this year, uh, but he had a bad night, a bad day on Saturday. The defense behind him certainly didn't help him. Um, Kirby Yates wasn't particularly good. The rest of the guys were fine, but that was the you know the Braves didn't really threaten in that game because again. You only need a guy or two to, you know, just not have it. And they got teed off on. So for me, the move I'd make is I would just bring up Dylan Dodd with the understanding that he's going to be learning on the job. 
He is your fifth starter, so sometimes it's not always going to work out, but at least he's going to cover more innings as opposed to just using bullpen arms every single day because you're going you're gonna to have too many close games over the course of the next couple months that you need to be able to have games where you can at least give some of those guys days off and you know not be warming them up constantly, trying to play matchups constantly because I don't know if that's a strength of Snickers to begin with. I think he just kind of goes with the guys that he feels like are going to throw well, not necessarily looking into really digging deep into that bullpen and trying to find matchups for lesser used guys and things like that. So for me, I think I'd just call up Dylan Dodd and have him be the fifth starter. Uh, I obviously ideal in an ideal world, I'd be calling up Mike Soroka. <laughs> yeah. But um, the, the problem is, is, and everything I've heard kind of lines up with this is that he's, he's still working back. And a lot of the metrics on his pitches haven't looked particularly great the later he goes. And that is completely understandable based on how much time he's missed. Right. You know, it's it's just it takes a while to build up that strength and to kind of be a, still, you know, still throw good pitches after you get, you know, past 75 pitches or so. And he's just not there yet. And I don't think that that solves any problem that the Braves have. He, You don't need a four inning starter right now. You just don't. You need a guy that can go five, six. And I just don't think he's quite worked up to there. Now, Dodd has certainly had his warts. The, the command has been a little bit wonky uh, since he's gone back down to AAA, but for me, you know, having a lefty in the, the rotation that you can, you know, get teams to change up their lineups a bit and a guy who being, he pitched really well in spring training and he's had some good starts in the big leagues. So I'm not, I don't, I don't feel that bad about having him up there. If that's the worst option the Braves have, then I think that's vastly superior than again, just kind of keep rolling with these bullpen games and completely wearing those guys out. Yeah, that all makes sense. Um, you know, this work of thing is a talking point and I, it, there's just nuance and there's stuff that, even if you're plugged in, we just can't know everything about Soroka. And I'll, I'll, I'll always defer to you on guys who are pitching primarily in the minor leagues. And obviously he's your guy and has been forever, but um, yes, you know, he has, yes. we, we just, we just don't know the whole story and there's no way we possibly could know the whole story on any of these guys, especially when it comes to injuries and his, his is a situation where he was, he was, he was just out for so, so, so long. And uh, you know, I've said this before. I mean, I'll since I have you here, like I've talked to people, including you, they're like, you know, he's not pitching that well. Like he's getting better, but he's early, especially early in the season. Gwinnett, like he just people were just kind of assuming that he's gonna be what he, what he, what he was, you know, when he was pitching two, three years ago. And it's like, well, Results are not everything, but he, he just didn't look like the same guy. And that's a, that's obviously not a, it's not a surprise. He hasn't pitched in so long. So I, I think that a lot of, not all of it, but I think a lot of the reaction and the calls for Soroka are kind of independent of how he's actually pitching and how he actually looks. I mean, again, what do you think of the way he actually looks? While I have you here, my well ask. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I think he's improving. the The issue is that he had to kind of overhaul his delivery a bit. You know, his arm slot moved up a little bit. He's had to work on how his lower half moves. Uh, just and uh, when you make all those changes combined with all that downtime, you know, like you can still tell he's feeling things out, and like he'll let loose of a pitch, and you can tell that that's not what he was trying to get it to do. Right. And again, that's 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 learning new mechanics and getting comfortable, and you know, kind of work building up back up that endurance. I mean, it's still early in the season too. I mean, aside from the, all the downtime, you know, he's still trying to just figure out exactly where he's at, you know, physically, just early in the season type stuff. So again, he, I think he looks fine. And I think that he's going to be a big league picture again. I just don't, you know, it, it's not as like the slam dunk. You have Soroka sitting there, AAA, what are you doing, Braves type argument. Uh, and to be fair, there's some terrible, terrible takes on this whole rotation thing. I've seen people <laughs> advocating. I've seen advocate people asking where Julio Tehran is right now. Uh, I've been asked more than once about, you know, the Braves trying to sign Trevor Bauer. 
I've seen, uh, uh, calling up uh, AJ Smith Shavers, another one, a guy who's made literally one start at AAA uh, and was you know playing in high school a couple years ago. I just it's a tough situation the Braves are in because anytime you lose your top two starters or what will you your top starter and again another really good one. Uh, I'm not going to you know say that Wright's a better starter than Strider because that's silly, but I'm I am saying it's a tough situation. The Braves have some tools that are available to them, but when you lose Ian Anderson to Tommy John surgery too, and then you have like the other guy in the 40 man roster and Darius Vines, he's hurt. I mean, there's only so much depth you can have, and sometimes you just have to live with it. Uh, I just don't think that you know just forcing a move to make a move because you know a guy's name is the the path forward. And at the end of the day, as much as I love you know Soroka, I, I also want him to be good for a long time, and I don't think forcing him into a situation where he's not going to be successful. When you have a guy like Dylan Dodd, especially, you know, that's that's kind of where my head is on it. You know, and again, there's some really, really terrible takes out there. And I think folks probably just need to chill because the number of people who just think that AJ Smith Shelvers is like a major league ready pitcher, uh, I would guarantee you the people who have what have are making that argument have seen him pitch a total of maybe once. And if that's the case, then you probably need to revisit the way in which you think about how baseball should happen. Yeah, there's a reason why uh, I I think Scott and I both do this, but we, we try not to talk about prospects that we haven't seen very much. Like we kind of just, you know, go what you can, yes, the numbers tell you whatever the numbers tell you. And that could, that, that could be very helpful too. But if you don't watch these guys, you can't have quite the same uh, um, sort of, I don't know, purview. And I, uh, I will certainly raise my hand about that. Um, speaking of Schuster, by the way, we, 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 I did say it earlier, but he pitched very well today, a lot of solo home run and basically nothing else struck out seven. That was his best start as a major leaguer. Also, his first career win. So, shouts to that. If you care about that, I'm sure he does on some level. Um, so that was good. I mean, I, you can't rely on him to be awesome necessarily right now. I don't think, but uh, getting that kind of start from Jared Schuster in the middle of what we just talked about is important. Like him just doing that against a not a great offense in Seattle, but not not a terrible, terrible one either. And just like holding it down in a low scoring game. It wasn't like he had a, a, a ton of breathing room either. They had to, and they won the game three to two today. So uh, that was a positive start. It's, it's only one, but it, it was very helpful. Yeah. I mean, the changeup looked really good. He was getting just some silly swings. And, you know, when he's missing bats, he can, he can get through a, a game pretty quickly. And that's pretty much what happened. Uh, you know, and again, the, the, the first inning Ronald Cooney Jr. to Matt Olson connection certainly helped the cause. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, Travis Darno, Travis Darno getting his uh, first home run of the season. That was nice. You know, it, it, the, really the only guy that was doing consistent damage all game was that Jose Caballero, I think is his name. And like, he was like, you know, he like got hit by a pitch, walked in, hit a home run in this game. And he was just like stealing bases all over the places, causing havoc. But the rest of that lineup just couldn't do anything against Schuster or the bullpen, except for the homer that uh, Nick Anderson gave up. So uh, it, all I was just, you know, you're going to have those tight games. Uh, George Kirby, the pitcher for the, the Seattle is very, very good. Uh, so, the, you know, to be able to cash in some opportunities against him was nice. That this is not a game that the Braves are honestly probably supposed to win because Seattle's a good baseball team. George Kirby's a very good pitcher, and Schuster is a guy that it can be a bit more hit and miss. So you you want to win these types of games if you want to have you know long term aspirations. You know, it, and you know the really for me the best thing was just seeing that Raziel Iglesias looked really good in the ninth again because he's kind of looked a little spotty at times. Yeah, good to see him sort of slam the door there, and there was no no drama beyond a little bit of uh, tension in the nope. eighth inning. Um, Okay, so that's the results. We'll, we'll come back to the very end of the podcast, talk about what's to come this coming week. Uh, we got into this a little bit, but because I have you, um, I wanted to at least open it up a little bit to your minor league observations. This is something you still do and are passionate about. 
Um, you mentioned Smith Schauber's been the big story. I, I saw he made, I think it was the Fangraph top 100 this week. Um, he became the first brave on that list, I believe. Uh, he's the he's the big name, so I'll let you talk about him too. But um, anybody else sticking out to you aside from my guy Jesse Franklin? I suppose you have to mention him as well somewhere in there. I'm just out of out of respect for me. But uh, any any minor league thoughts while I have you? Well, we'll lead with the, your your Michigan son Jesse Franklin. <laughs> uh, he is back from Tommy John surgery. He was dealing with, I think, a hamstring injury, is what I heard. Uh, which has kind of caused a delay to his season, but he's back. Uh, you know, again, he's he's been off a long layoff, so I wouldn't expect him to, like, you know, completely rocket up lists now that he's healthy again. But at the same time, it's nice to have him back because he's one of the few real kind of power bats in the system right now. Smith Schauber is, he, you know, when I was at Battery Power, and that continues to be the case over here, is this that I had to think really hard about whether or not he was going to be the top prospect. I know that some some put him there. Uh, I was just a little bit spooked by it because he was hurt at the end of the year, so I only put him at number two. But, I mean, this is a big-time fastball, and the only question is whether or not he was going to – with limited experience on the mound. Um, and all he's done this year is just get better and better. His command's gotten a lot better. He's more kind of online to the plate. And, you know, the breaking stuff's gotten significantly better. He gets swings and misses on all of his pitches. And, I mean, again, this is talking about, like, mid to upper 90s fastball, and it's kind of like that – that strider top of the zone, lots of ride on it. Fastball. He blows thing. He blows it by guys. And this is an organization that if you can show that, you know, the kind of, if you pass all the metrics tests that they'll, they'll aggressively promote you. And that's what the Braves have done. I think that the promotion to AAA has more to do with kind of wanting him to get his hands on the, the major league baseball and see how he kind of throws with that and see how everything looks than indicative of a, like an imminent promotion or anything. But I don't think they're also, if he throws well at AAA and continues to do well, that I don't think they're going to be afraid to do so if they need to. Um, they're going to get. I think they're going to give him some time there. Uh, in terms of guys that, again, this is kind of a, a weird spot. The systems and the the pitching class from last year's draft uh, is something to really kind of keep an eye on. Owen Murphy's looked good. Uh, J.R. Ritchie uh, apparently has an elbow injury. And it's unclear as to whether he's going to need Tommy John surgery. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on. But again, I've I've liked his stuff. The the the, the breaking stuff in particular with him is really really good. A couple of guys that I kind of want folks to keep an eye on that maybe aren't on their radars right away. One is Kevin Kilpatrick. Numbers aren't particularly great right now, but it seems like he can do a lot of things on a baseball field. He can run, he can field, he can throw, uh, can hit, can hit for power. Uh, again, the numbers at Rome haven't been particularly awesome, but it's, it's it's one of those things where you start seeing glimpses of a guy and kind of has that sort of that quick twitch athleticism that's worth keeping an eye on. Uh, another guy who is a really, again, numbers haven't been great. He's still very young. He debuted at low a Augusta and he's 17 years old is Didier Fuentes. Uh, throws him like almost a sidearm slot. Uh, but I mean, the fastball has this like, crazy action and, you know, kind of runs up on guys. Uh, has been clocked up to like 96, 97, more of a bit lower than that. We're usually where he sits. Uh, horizontal breaking ball. Again, very, very young. So don't expect him to like, immediately you know make his double double a debut anytime soon but when you already have that from a kid that young and he's already making his debut in pro ball he's like naming a circle and multiple people that i've talked to seem to really really like him and he could end up being one of the better pitching prospects in the system so if you're like talking about a couple guys who like i like you know again nacho alvarez is a guy who i've talked about a bunch on you know else elsewhere i wish that he would impact the ball more but i mean all that guy does is draw walks and like is good for a hit basically every game so he's just kind of one of those guys that's a contact hitter right now kind of is more known for hitting like, you know, soft line drives the other way than anything else, but he draws walks and he does things when he gets on base. So all, all those guys kind of have, you know, are guys that I'm keeping an eye on right now. 
Thank Makes you. sense to me. I mean, of course, I have nothing to add here. No, I, I, I do want to ask you. Just this is a very, very broad, normie question, but this is obviously the the flagship show, and I'm sure not a lot of our listeners don't really know. You know, the narrative is, has been, and maybe fairly, maybe not, and you can tell me um, about how bad the system is basically at this point. And you know, the reasons for that are obvious. You know, all the all the promotions are the biggest reasons. Like this, uh, Michael Harris was supposed to be still in the system probably right now and uh, instead won the rookie of the year last year. And they've uh, done very well there. You know, Von Grissom's, I guess the one that has not quite gotten there yet, but um, you know, I, I guess I'll ask this this way. Uh, how, how bad is the system? Is it actually as bad as people might fear that it is, or, it, or is there more optimism there that we can find? I think the pitching is actually pretty good. Uh, I, there do. You go. uh, I, I mean, a, a lot of it's further away than you'd like. Uh, for Braves fans who are like kind of used to this every year, they promote someone that does something crazy. Uh, but, but I mean, it, like just this year, just out of spring training, Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd were yep. competing for rotation spots. And there's more, I mean, AJ Smith's shoppers in the system. And then you have guys like Owen Murphy, J.R. Ritchie, Dedder Fuentes, you know, and there's, there's, there's real arms in the system, but the position player depth is borderline abysmal. And as a result, if there is a need to kind of get those type of guys up into the big leagues, that could be a bit of a problem. Uh, there's not there's not an outfield prospect really of note. You know what I mean? You have to kind of really switch. Well, you mean, you mean other than Von Grissom, outfield prospect for me anyway. <laughs> okay, first saying. of all, he's already used. He's already exhausted his eligibility. He's, he he is a quad A guy for me now. You know, he's, <laughs> he's basically basically dead to me in terms of prospect. Oh, that's not true. Be nice to Von. <laughs> oh, okay, oh, he's not dead to me. Um, Brain Shoemaker might be dead to me, but again, like there's one of those situations where you don't you you look at the system and you have to really kind of hope that guys figure things out uh, as opposed to a guy like you circle and go, Hey, he could move up really quickly. Um, yeah. The, I, mean, the, I, the, I was going to ask the, you this actually. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was going to say like, you know, not to, I'm not piling on, on, on Von Grissom. Is Von Grissom's the best position player prospect they have still? If, 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 if he, if, if he were to count as a, as a prospect, yeah. which is, remove your qualifications, is he, will, will he be, he'd be number one for you in terms of their most likely guys to be good major leaguers. Uh, in terms of position player prospects, position yeah, players. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's um, what that's what I saw. That was my. I mean, because you know, I I tried to warn people. I know you did too. Like because they have such a hit rate on all these guys working out. I think people just assume Vaughn was going to be awesome, and then of course he was good for the first whatever it was month. So it's like, but now people are like, wait, you know, shoot the guy in the sun basically because he because he was not very good this year. So I, I think I asked that question partly to be like, hey guys, he still might be good, so don't worry too much. Well, and he's hitting pretty well in AAA too. So it's one of those things where I mean, again. He, especially his struggles defensively in the big leagues, you know, he got thrown into that the shortstop situation. And I don't think anyone thought he was going to be that bad at shortstop, but he, you know, he was, he was, he was bad. And I'm sure it, that it didn't go well. His, yeah. 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 Uh, and I'm sure that impacted him at the plate too. And he's, you know, he needs to work on impacting the ball more just you know, more hard contact. You know, you can't always just hit a bunch of ground balls and hope they get through that sort of thing. Um, and really they just, the we're kind of seeing the product of a lot of those international sanctions too. It's just that there's not like international project, you know, 16, 70 year olds that would be like 19, 20 years old right now that could be like kind of forming into actual real baseball players in the, in the minor leagues. They're just, they're just not there right now. Ambioris Tavares uh, has a, an interesting physical skill set, but he also strikes out like 40% of the time right now. And he missed time with uh, thoracic outlet surgery you know, last year, which is like the last thing you need coming off, you know, all the COVID shorting and all that stuff. You know, he was supposed to be one of their big international signings. And he's, you know, again, he's just striking out too much. And, you know, you see flashes of of good things, but, you know, he's not there yet. And then a lot of the other guys are so young, you know, the 
you know, Diego Benitez's and the Luis Guanipas, they're just, they're so young. We're going to be waiting a couple of years to even see what the Braves have there. So it's, again, it's, it's going to be a bit of a process. And I, I, I'm a big proponent of them trying to start taking some risks and actually taking some bats in the draft, as opposed to just, you know, basically drafting every college arm that is available to them uh, when they, when it gets to them, uh, they made some steps in the right direction there last year, but overall it's, it's a, you know, it's going to be a bit of a process and they're going to have to really kind of, they're going to have to get they're to get that depth back. They're going to have to really do a lot of work on like days, day two and three of the draft to get some bats as well as to really kind of push the envelope and make sure, you know, legally, please don't get a sanction again, <laughs> but you know, uh, yeah. you know, like really like find some, some guys who can hit to kind of fill up the, the lower levels of the minor leagues. And, you know, hopefully you hit on one of those two, one or two of those guys, but it, it's, it's pretty rough right now on, on the bat side. There's, there's guys that are certainly interesting, uh, I'm a big Cody Milligan fan uh, for one uh, is a guy who, you know, he's, he's definitely scrappy. does a lot of things really well on the baseball field. He just can't hit for a lot of power, but he's better than I think people give him credit for. So if that's, if you're wanting another, a bat that might be interesting, uh, he's be another one that I'd be thinking of. There we go. We found another guy to add to the list of people that I have to watch my baseball at some point to get more familiar with his work. Uh, two more things that are non minor league updated uh, related. Uh, that we have to touch on. One of them was the incredibly weird transaction cycle with regard to the utility spot, which was the Braves optioning Braden Shoemake on Thursday afternoon on an off day. I think me, along with everyone else, maybe you were smarter than I was here, but... Nope, nope, I was right there with you. I assumed that Adrianza was going to come back up because he was on the IL and, um, you know, not that he's great, but he's a guy that they like and has... Is obviously he's been in that utility role. They don't really care if he plays or not, etc. Then Kevin McAlpin tweeted out a gif of Charlie Culberson that night and basically said he's coming back. And uh, we, I, I'm sure that got passed along in your circles as well. It was in our Slack channel. I'm like, is this real? They're gonna really get to pull, pull up Culberson. Uh, then Friday morning they did that. Chuck Culberson comes back. They put Adrian on the 60 day IL. Um, and I, I have questions that are not answered at this point. Does it really matter that much? We can argue that in a second. Um, did they know that Adrianza was not available when they optioned Shoemake on Thursday afternoon? I don't know. Um, is it just that they want Shoemake to play and he wasn't playing in the big leagues? That I would kind of buy. But, you know, Culberson, uh, I know he's a favorite of some fans. But, uh, I mean, in profile-wise, as far as, like, his minor league play, and I'm sure you've actually seen him more. I'm going off the numbers. It seems like he's not a major league player anymore. I mean, he, that wouldn't be a surprise. He's, he's in his mid thirties and look, he's never been that good. He had one great year for the, for the Braves, which was very helpful. But, um, you know, what happened here? Like, is this as crazy as it kind of seems? Because if he's not Charlie Culberson, Braves franchise guy, is there any way to call him up? Cause I, I would, ha- I have to think no, honestly. So, so the timing of this was weird. Just like optioning shoemaker. I, but I understand the, the reasoning, is that they did want him to see playing time because I mean he was That's not gotta be play. it. Yeah. Because he, I mean. he wasn't playing at all, which is also the reason why I don't think why this move matters all that much. At, like at all. Like uh, here Adrianza was not playing in games. They're, they're, they aren't doing defensive replacements. No, that that, he, that last that last spot for where they are, like because they don't have any like infield defense. I mean, they're not gonna pull anybody in the infield for defense. Like there's not a role for that person in a world where no one's pinch hitting anymore you know what i mean like that that uh, roster spot I, is kind of just dead unless <laughs> it, it, there's injuries it, it's dead uh the because the only guy you might want to do a defensive replacement late is austin riley who one you kind of want to have his bat around certainly more than a here adrianza's 
Yeah, exactly. It wasn't going to happen. You know, you're not going to pull Arcia. You're not going to pull, you know, Ozzy and you're not certainly going to pull, you know, Olsen. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, I understand why sending him back. Uh, Culberson, certainly an interesting choice. I'm certain that a certain amount of uh, fan service was being done. Uh, I think <laughs> that the, the, the amount of care uh, and, you know, you you watch the the page views as much as I do. If you put Charlie Culperson's name in a headline, uh, it it does very well. Uh, so I'm certain that th- this was probably the move for a bench player. That's probably if 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 Culberson sees play, it's probably not a particularly good situation. I'll say that. Uh, there was definitely a time uh, on uh, Saturday night where I was wondering if that game got more out of hand that we might actually see him out of the bullpen. But um, you know, and I I think that at the end of the day, he can. I think he can still play defense like if you needed a like if austin or arcia or ozzy got hurt that you could put him and he wouldn't be embarrassing defensively and you know maybe for that bench spot that's just the best that they can hope for right now you know what i mean uh whereas you want to get shoemaker some more at bats you want to see if he can actually turn into a, a a real prospect and and do some things for you they kept him around just to make sure that arcia was fully healthy again arcia looks fine so what's the point in having a guy who you you spend a first round pick on and you hope that could turn into something, you know, you're just going to let him rot on your bench basically with that, with that particular bench spot. So you send him down now, again, the whole, I don't know what's going on with Andrianza. I don't know, you know, the extent of his injury or why they, you know, the, the timing was so lagged uh, in a lot of ways. Maybe it was just kind of some gamesmanship. They don't want to tell teams what the, you know, they didn't want to tell the Mariners or, or yeah, the Mariners is the kind of who they're going to have available to them uh, going into the series. But again, this isn't a spot that was going to see a lot of playing time anyway. So no. it was uh, it was certainly weird. Uh, I do not think that Charlie Culberson's any good. And I you know <laughs> uh, I look if the Lightning wants to strike me down yet again and have Culberson come up in a spot and he does something more than I expected. I but, mean, it probably uh, will happen. That's just that's yeah. just the law of how this is, how this is going to work. But yeah, I mean, big picture, does this actually matter? No, I don't think it does. Uh, I, you know, this is maybe a commentary of where I am on Shoemake. I, I don't think it's a problem that Shoemake was just in a utility role and not playing, but I also don't think he's ever going to hit. That, that's just my opinion. Um, I might be wrong about that. And he is young enough. Uh, people don't, people kind of forget that he's, he's not a young, he's not very young. He's, he's a kind of an older prospect. Um, I, I, I understand your skepticism. And- yeah. I mean, and look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not closing the door entirely, but I think it does make some sense if you are the Braves and they clearly like him, I mean, there was that whole wave of uh, stories in spring training about how he was going to start at shortstop. I mean, that, that's, that didn't come from nowhere. Uh, it happened. Um, that was always kind of insane to me, but you know, it happened, but regardless, uh, I, it's maybe more damning that they had nobody better than Culberson. If that makes sense. Like, because look, if you assume as you probably have to, that Adrianza is really hurt and then they just want you make to play. Is there anybody? I mean, you know more than I do. Is there anybody else that they, that they should have put in the spot? Because uh, basically, like Culberson, you could argue his his biggest value, if you want to say that, is the fact that he can do a lot of things. And if you get an emergency, he can do or at least fake a lot of different things. He can play left field if you had to. He can play um, infield spots. He could even pitch hilariously, even though you can't. The rules are kind of different now than uh, when they used to be on that. But you know what I mean? Like, it's it's funny. I think it's silly. But in the end, I'll just ask you, is there anybody else that, that they could have reasonably called up to do this role in a, in a pitch? For this role, I mean, like, you have options like Hoy Park and Yolmer Sanchez. Both so there guys, you go. <laughs> like, like, 
you know, like Luke Waddell had been had been called up to AAA, but he's not a guy that you can play at like multiple positions. Because well, honestly, on. they I mean, uh, this is going to sound funny, and maybe it was again the timing thing. I, I'm almost sure they could have found someone who is currently unemployed that might have been better. You know, from from another like or one of those like extremely low leverage trades where you're trading a player to be named later for somebody's fifth infielder kind of thing. But that's what kind of makes me less. I was never angry anyway, but it was less um, less miffed by it because if you just think, all right, Shoemaker's got to play. That's our that's our organizational worldview. I mean, there's not a whole lot of damage being done. I do think that if they were to start playing Culberson, I would be losing my mind. But it's been two. It's been what two three games. He's not. He hasn't played yet, so it's it's fine. <laughs> if yeah. they started, if they started him today, I'd have been like, oh my god, what's going on here? Yeah. Brian Snicker is not going to, he's not cooking over there and being like, this is my chance to show that Charlie Culperson is going to be our team MVP. You know, nothing weird's happening there because I'm right there with you. If he got significant playing time, I would, you know, I, you know, to steal a line from you shamelessly, I would have turned into the Joker, but I don't <laughs> think it's going to happen. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen. And they want a guy who they can just have on the bench. And you know, I mean, like, you know, we bagging on Charlie aside, he's a, he's, he's a good presence around the team. You know, you're going to have guys on your bench that just don't play and you at least want to get good vibes and good value of them kind of with the off the field stuff. And he's really good for that. So, yeah. and you know, when he was at Gwinnett, he was doing a lot of, you know, like player coach type stuff, all that stuff's really just about that, that it does have some value. And when you're like, never going to play a guy, you know, having a guy, you know, it's, it's not Guillermo, but it's going to be, you know, again, it's going to be a positive having a guy who is going to like still stay plugged into the game, you know, be giving advice in between the bats and things like that. So th- th- there just wasn't anyone at Gwinnett that you want to throw up there and just throw on the bench. You know, again, it just didn't matter all that much. Now, again, yeah. if Charlie starts seeing a bunch of playing time, my feelings change dramatically. And then those kind of, you know, looking to the unemployment line, you know, making those minor league minor trades and things like that for a guy who can actually do something that that is what should be in play. But for a guy who you're really like, like look, we're only going to play you. If like someone's leg falls off in the middle of a game, then, you know, having Charlie back is fine. Yeah, you could argue, and we'll, we'll get away from this now, but you, you could argue that um, the Braves maybe should use that roster spot a little bit differently, but given the way that they have used it and probably will continue to use it, um, I'm glad you made the point too, because I probably should have said it earlier about, you know, Culberson is a guy that they obviously like organizationally, clubhouse-wise, Snit loves him, he's been around forever, um, he's not going to be, you know, too cool to be helping guys out. So yeah, that's it's a good, um, again, if you just assume that guy never plays, uh, that's not a bad uh, role for him to be in. Um, other than that, I mean, Kyle Rant went to the 60-day IL. That didn't surprise me, but it's worth knowing that happened this week. No, they, they claimed a, right, a veteran right-hander, Derek Rodriguez, off of waivers. Um, it's a pure depth move. Like, he's pitched in the majors. Maybe you know more about him than I do, but Derek Rodriguez is like a guy that they could start if they had to in the majors one day if they just if they if something was uh, just not lined up with Dodd or Schuster or whatever and they had to just go one more guy in an emergency spot it could be Rodriguez but like I don't think he's going to be really a part of the plan seems like I mean it's super minor move uh son of Pudge uh is probably his uh, claim to fame that is definitely his claim to fame (laughs) as far as like uh, people like you and me yeah he he He's made some appearances here and there. He hasn't been really of note for a long time. Again, like you said, it's more more of a depth move than anything else. You you, you stash those guys away. Maybe you think you can unlock something a little bit interesting, either, either as a starter or as a reliever. He might have some utility down the road, but it's not something you're like, wow, I can't believe the Twins released Eric Rodriguez. Uh, we got, you know, we added him and it was, you know, it was like a trade without having to give up anything sort of thing. So it's again, it's it's fine, but it's not something that's like super exciting. 
Agreed. Um, last thing prior to the schedule, um, I'll just ask this question. Are you worried at all about your former minor league son, Michael Harris? He's not hitting. And it's a pretty small sample size. He was hurt for a while. So it's not like it's been, you know, a quarter plus the season, but his, his numbers are not good. And um, there was a little bit of concern, not a ton, but a little bit that, you know, he was not quite the hitter that he was last year, as far as like true talent, true ability. I think even we said that on this podcast, like he probably isn't going to be that good at the plate, at least what he was last year. But I didn't see this coming either. So I think his WRC plus is 41 right now. It's only about hundred plate appearances. So again, not, not a huge sample size, but uh, anything actually concerning to you, but Michael Harris, or is just more, it's just more of a slump. Well, he's not really impacting the ball the other way. When he's hitting the ball the other way, it's kind of soft grounders. I just, it's hard for me to parse how much of it. I mean, he got hurt his back and his knee. So yeah. it's hard to say like, how, like how much of it is just that he's not healthy yet, or he hasn't been until very recently. Um, the, the, I kind of looked at the numbers a little bit and, you know, like, Again, average exit velocity is about the same. You know, peak exit velocity is about the same. The thing that he's he hitting too many ground balls, he's walking more than he was, which is, again, that's a positive. Might reflect a change of approach, and he's still kind of working things through. But the thing that stuck out is that he's pulling the ball more, which with the shift being gone, that could be a good thing. But he's not hitting the ball up the middle nearly as much. The the kind of the opposite field stuff is about the same, but the quality of the contact hasn't really been there. And he's not hitting like, you know, again, those kind of, screaming rounders up the middle, you know, that, that sort of stuff to kind of, you know, that boosts your numbers up a bit, get you on base a little bit more and allows, allows him to do some more damage. Uh, it's it, again, it's just so hard to say why that is though. It's, you know, our pitchers pitching to him differently is, you know, he just not particularly healthy. There's a lot of things that it could be, but again, there are some things, but a lot of things about his bad at ball profile are very similar to last year. So I think some of this is just kind of, you know, him not being particularly healthy and, you know, the, the regression monster kind of, claiming him a little bit more than we would think. So between those, I think he's going to be fine. Uh, he's still, he's still playing hard out there. I think that he'll get, once he kind of gets back into a rhythm and isn't like missing, you know, chunks of games uh, over the course of the first two months, he'll get back into the swing of things and he'll end up doing damage and he'll be fine. But you know, it's certainly, it's certainly something to keep an eye on because it's, it's been bad enough where it's worth noting to be sure. Yeah, that makes sense um, in a lot of ways. So I just want to say it out loud. I know he's not a guy that we've talked about as far as like concerns, but the the, you know, the injuries are a good sort of explanation for it. And I think people kind of started to notice a little bit more this week. At least I saw some anecdotal like, hey, what's going on with Michael Harris? <laughs> like the numbers are just kind of ugly and uh, it is what it is. But it is, it's very early and the injuries are, the good, are sort of the obvious explanation for it. Last thing before we get out of here, and I do appreciate you coming back. Give me an hour of your time. Um all seven games coming up for the Braves this week are at home, three against the Dodgers and four against the Phillies. So some real tests, some good teams. They do have a break uh, that I noticed um, today prep prepping for the Dodgers series. They don't have to face Kershaw, who pitched today, and he is their number one guy. And also uh, May is hurt for them. So they're basically their top two pitchers the Braves do not have to see. That's a very nice little uh Point of favor in the uh, on the brave side there, and then of course the Phillies. That's always a high profile showdown when that happens. Anything you're looking for over the next seven days? I guess maybe the number one thing is who pitches the uh, the, the non bullpen game that we're assuming is not going to be a bullpen game, but uh, could be Dodd, and I think we're probably preparing for that. Well, I feel pretty confident that it's going to be Dodd. I just don't think that there's just been too much noise that like this bullpen game, like even the bullpen, like Jesse Chavez was like on record saying like this isn't going to work long term. So yeah, that's Jesse Chavez, who uh, is, is yeah, a mensch yeah. among men. Yeah. We, all, we all love Jesse. Yep, he, he, King Jesse. It, it's his world, and we're just living in it. But you know, <laughs> so uh, my hunch is that it'll be Dodd. Uh, that, that, again, I just don't see them bringing up Soroka yet. 
but you know, and that's just the kind of the option that's available to them at the moment. Uh, I don't sleep on the two guys, two of the guys that the Braves have to go against in this Dodger series. They go, they have two rookies that are going, Gavin Stone and Bobby Miller uh, in this in this series, and both those guys are very legitimate pitching prospects. Now, historically, when rookies you know play early on in their careers against the Braves, uh, one of two things happens: it's it's never medium. It's either the Braves tee off on them, and then we never hear their names again, or they pitch lights out and like they become like an absolute nemesis for the Braves going forward. So, and these two guys can pitch. I mean, Bobby Miller in particular is a highly regarded pitching prospect. Like Gavin Stone's another guy too that you know was kind of in that same draft class with Strider and all that stuff. So both of those guys can throw. So this, I mean, it's not like awesome that those are the two guys you have to go against uh, with the Dodgers. You certainly don't want to go against Kershaw when he's pitching well, but you know those two those two guys are very good. That's going to be a very Hard fought series, and again, another part of this really tough stretch for the Braves in May. This the month of May has just been really hard, a lot against a lot of really good teams. Uh, and the Phillies, uh, I certainly don't think that they're nearly as good uh, as a team as the Dodgers are. And when you get to run Spencer Strider out against them, hopefully he wants some revenge for how things went in the playoffs against them. Yeah, that tracks. Um, and you know, anytime these you got these two interesting teams coming to town, it will get attention. Um, but you know nothing bigger than just the results in front of them. The Braves are in good shape. We're recording this podcast a little bit earlier than usual. Um, we're awaiting final scores and things to kind of tell you where they are on the standings, but the lead is the lead. It's still very comfortable. Um, is this still true? I- I'm looking at it now. I'm trying to find it as we're talking. The Marlins, I believe, yeah, the Marlins are still, they're 15 and two in one run games. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. It's wild. If it's a close game, you don't want them. Yeah, and they they just lost one. I think it was on Friday. I, I think they were fourteen and one before that, and then of course the next day they won a one nothing game. So the Marlins just uh, aren't clearly not as good as their record indicates by their. Pro- oh, their 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 run differential is literally like a last place team. It's yeah, they are. They're actually yeah they are dead last in the National League. Yeah, they're dead last in the entire National League in run differential and a twenty four and twenty two. Because again, they're fifteen and two in one run games. Um, but the Mets are playing better. They've won four in a row as, as we're recording this podcast. Uh, the Phillies, in fact, no one has lost in the National League for like a couple of days. Um, and, sorry, in the National League East for a couple of days. So uh, Phillies get Phillies series. You don't want to have any catastrophes there when you're up seven on the Phillies. But the Dodgers are playing well. And uh, just because you don't face Kershaw and Man doesn't mean that anything is given to you there. But in fact, they have. Uh, the second best record in the National League behind the Braves by a half game, as, as at least as of the time of this recording, although they are losing at this moment to the Cardinals. All right, Eric, that's it. I, you're off the hook. It's been an hour. Thank you for your service. <laughs> I am, I'm just happy to get to talk with you again. It was, it was great seeing you at the, you know, at the, at the meetup that Bally did, yeah. you know, seeing everybody. I mean, I, I had a blast. I'm happy to come on the show anytime. Uh, you know, giving you a hard time is like, you know, is one of the things I miss the most about uh, leaving battery power. I, I love all of you guys. Uh, I'm glad to be able to be on the podcast again. I'm, I'm sorry that I've, I get, I get tweets and DMS wanting to know if I'm ever going to be back on the show. So, you know, like, hooray, I'm back. And to those of you who are wishing that I had never come back, you know, sorry, I wish, you know, I, I, I wish I could make you happy, but I don't really care about making you happy either. So, <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm just glad to be back on the show. Uh, you know, say hi to everyone for me and, you know, keep, you know, keep, keep, keep doing what you do because you're one of my favorite people. Thank you, sir, for your contributions. And everybody should be following Eric's work everywhere. Uh, I'm. It's one of those things where, like, 
I don't feel weird about voting other things. I mean, there's plenty of room for people to follow uh, everything that Eric is doing at the house for, at the house that Hank built. Also, in addition to battery power, I have the same phenomenon with my Hawks work. I have uh, people on that are, um, I guess, quote unquote competitors, and it's like, well, there's plenty of space for everybody. So, uh, please go ahead and read Eric's work. I'm sure you'll be podcasting at some point in the near future. I, knowing you, you'll find some way to be talking into a microphone again. It's been too long. Six months is kind of, that's just a long time. Come on, um, yeah, get, get it together. I, 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 I will say that, you know, like the the run I was on for a while between Road to Atlanta and, you know, helping out over here and, you know, just, you know, helping on the hammer too. Uh, I have enjoyed having a bit of a break from the microphone, but I, oh, I will sure. say I, I, w- I was even thinking about it a couple of weeks ago and I'm like, I really, I really just want to do a podcast. Uh, and, you know, when you reached out to me, I'm like, oh, well, that's going to scratch that itch. And, you know, I was, I was really happy to do it. So uh, I'm sure I'll be back at it at some point. Uh, we'll kind of see how things go. But overall, it's, you know, it's just, again, worst case scenario, I can always just badger you into just let me onto the podcast. Again. <laughs> that, is, that is true. Feel free. The uh, the door is always open. Um, everyone should pester Scott as well. I'm sure he's going to get on board with this. Scott is yep. in the middle yep. of his international vacation. Uh, but I know he checked Twitter at least once because he, uh, I believe he, I'm looking right now. And real, this is great podcasting, but I'm looking right now to see when the last time Scott tweeted. But I know he tweeted in the last couple of days. Um, yeah. He, in fact, he even said today. That the uh, yeah, one, two, Scott's all over the get off Twitter, Scott. What's wrong with you? Um, he's not listening to this podcast, but please tweet just something at Scott. Eric, any ideas for this? Just tweet without any comment, just Tiger Wood gifts at him. Just sure, that's, that's it. Just, just that, that way, he'll, he'll know that it'll, it was probably us, but he'll have to actually listen to find out what the deal was. That's so a just great call. No, no comment, just tweet Tiger Wood's gifts at him, and he'll want to know what's going on. I know I can count on you, Eric, for the end of this podcast. Thank you for doing Thank you for saying that. Everybody should be doing that. Follow Eric's work. Please subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, etc. And we'll see you all next time. Bye. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, 
wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.